Welcome to the Base Path Podcast brought to you by New England Baseball Journal. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan, along with co-host Matt Feld. Today's guest is someone who emerged as a big-time pro prospect from the state of Connecticut, a former two-time Gatorade Player of the Year. Jimmy Titus went on to star at Bryant University before playing professionally from 2019 to 2021 in the Dodgers and Mets organizations. He recently announced his retirement as a professional player at the age of 24 after his minor league career was derailed by the pandemic as well as some injuries. Jimmy, thanks so much for joining the podcast in studio. Thank you for having me. Yeah, how are you feeling about your uh, transition from your professional playing career? Honestly, it's been a lot more fun than I expected it would be. Um, Around this time last year is when I got released by the Mets, and it was definitely one of the hardest points of my life Um, because everything I'd ever done up to this point was to be a professional baseball player, to be a big leaguer one day. And then, obviously, with with the pandemic, which affected not only professional players, but high school, college, everyone in the baseball kind of scene, I guess you could say, it kind of, the writing was almost on the wall right away when I knew that the Dodgers were were trading me after three weeks of spring training. uh, Because, I I mean, I loved the organization. I loved everything about it. So that was already very difficult to go through, especially because I hadn't played in a year and I had only really gotten 40 games with them after um, my my college season when I got drafted. So I kind of had a feeling, okay, this is how the business of baseball goes. Um, and then when I was with the Mets, I didn't play too much. Uh, obviously would have loved to have played more, but I kind of took what was given to me. And then I realized, okay, they didn't, they didn't have a spot for me anymore. They didn't really need me. And again, like the business of baseball. Uh, came out in full force. So last year, I was trying to figure everything out. I had no idea what I was going to do. Thought about coming back and, and pitching. I was actually working with John DeRuin over at Hops, and then um, was having fun doing that, and then elbows started to hurt. It was probably my fault because I was uh, I probably ramped up too quickly. I was just excited to like, hey, let's get another shot. Let's see how it's going to go. And then um, ended up not working out very well. So after that was, again, I was kind of, I have no idea what I'm going to do. What I had done previously, though, was give lessons and do instruction. I didn't, and I really liked it because it kind of gave me a different look at the game in comparison to, you know, just going out there and grinding every single day. You really have to understand what you're talking about and understand how to relay information, especially to the younger kids, to make them, you know, better baseball players and through all of this, I ended up realizing that I have a really good knack for kind of breaking things down and kind of making it easily digestible, not just for younger guys, but I've, I've worked with some college players and I have some pro- professional players who are planning to work with me in the off season as well. And I've kind of just over the past year, just really dove into a lot of the mechanical and approach stuff that I did while I was playing. But now I have a completely different view on it. From outside perspective, I'm not worrying about how my performance is. It doesn't really matter anymore. Um, but I can really hone in on some important stuff with guys, and I've been loving it so far. I can't can't complain at all. So, can we speak to a little bit? You know, in your two years, again, kind of derailed by the pandemic. So certainly interesting circumstances that you were facing. But speak to the trials and tribulations of minor league baseball. Uh, it's certainly been well documented. But just your your personal experiences. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, it already, like, as soon as I had signed with the Dodgers, it was already kind of an uphill battle because the year before I got drafted, I tore my ACL. So, obviously, huge, like, that's a huge injury. It's very akin to a pitcher having Tommy John or something like that, you know. So, going into the draft, it was already tough because there were, understandably, some teams who were not necessarily as sold on me as I would have been uh, if I hadn't had that injury previously. But then I got to the Dodgers, and they were very good about, you know, they understood where I was coming from. They understood that I played that season basically on one and a half legs, and they were like, okay, well, let's try to get you out of that brace. Let's try to get you acclimated um, to playing at your normal speed again. And at first it wasn't like, hey, go out there and play every single day. It was, I mean, if we had six games in a week, it was maybe three or four. Um, And then, so that was different for me. That was already a different kind of, you know, look at baseball because every, for every single moment of my baseball career up to that point, I was basically playing every single day and I was ready to play every single day. And then obviously when I got injured, it was no playing time at all. So I could kind of focus on some other stuff, but then getting some sparing, like playing sparingly and not really getting out there, not being able to get into a rhythm as much as I would have liked was definitely something where I didn't really know how to kind of work with it at first. It was definitely difficult. And then obviously more of the same when I got to the Mets. It was a different story because they basically got me and another player for cash. It was essentially, um, I guess you could call it like the Dodgers released me and they just picked me right back up. The Mets picked me right back up. So it was kind of a weird situation where I, going into it, I knew that I wasn't necessarily wanted by the Dodgers anymore, which, which was understandable. I mean, you can look at their organization and, it's just unbelievable. It's stacked top to bottom. And then when I got to the Mets, it was almost like I didn't know what my role actually was going to be because they didn't want me initially. And now I'm coming in as a guy who hadn't played in a year, who only played 40 games his first year. Like not a whole, I didn't play in 2018. Like over the past like five years, I haven't really gotten to get out on the field too much. So they kind of took a chance on me. Didn't, I didn't play great for really the first time in my career besides when I went to the Cape after my freshman year for attempt. That was a whole different story. That was bad. But other than that, like this was the first time I really struggled in my career, and I didn't really even have a chance to bounce back after it. It was just, hey, you're not performing. We don't need you anymore. See ya. So. You mentioned all the di- – like every level of baseball was affected by the pandemic. Um you know, a lot of high school guys that probably would have gone on and played in college just didn't get those recruiting looks, and the and the rosters at the college level were were full anyways, and everybody got the extra year. I feel like college had it a little bit better because they just could kind of bide their time for a year and wait, and they got the redshirt year. They could come back and play. Minor league baseball was just, you know, ravished by the pandemic between losing tons of minor league affiliates. Mm-hmm. And like you said, your, your timing was terrible because it was, you know, you're getting into your career right as this pandemic starting, mm-hmm. wiped out a minor league season, and you're coming back from an injury, which makes it even more difficult because you don't have access to the, to the facilities and the things. What were you able to do uh, during the pandemic to kind of stay ready when, when the team started playing again? I just... Anything that I could do was was worth it. Um, so at the beginning of the pandemic, I mean, nothing was open. Couldn't do anything. Luckily for me, one of my best friends, Josh Simpson, who's a left-handed pitcher for the Marlins, lives right down the road from me. So during the pandemic, we'd go throw. Um, and if he 
was ready to pitch against me. We grabbed our other buddy who just caught for us. Um, and I would just take live at bats against him as much as I could, as much as his arm was willing to, to throw. So I did that. I couldn't even get in the gym at first. So it was just like body weight stuff and just trying to make the best of what you could, what you could do in that situation. I didn't have a home gym. Um, so it was really hard at first, you know, and one of the biggest things for me was when the pandemic hit, I was obviously, I I was out at, I was, you know, I was in Arizona in spring training with the Dodgers and I'd been performing well. I had a really good spring training in 2020. And then I got to the point where obviously everyone got sent home and I really wanted to lock in my swing. I wanted to be ready whenever it was going to be the time to come back because we had no idea if it was going to be a month, if it was two months, if it was going to be the whole year. I mean, a lot of us were joking, hey, see you guys next year, right? Because it, we didn't think it was that big of a deal at first. And then lo and behold, here, here we are in 2021. It's, it's, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. But I really tried to dive in and understand the swing a lot more and some stuff that I don't think ended up working well for me, but it kind of showed me what to look for and how to adjust for other guys that I may be working with now. So even, even though like the process wasn't really conducive to my career because I ended up not playing very well, it was kind of in my head about my mechanics, all that kind of stuff, stuff that you don't want to happen. It ended up creating sort of a, a baseline for me to help other guys instruct uh, or to help instruct other guys, I should say, because there's a difference between guys who can do it and guys who can teach it, you know, and some of the best hitters in the world aren't really thinking about much when they're up at the plate. And I felt like, okay, well, I was someone who really needed to lock into my approach mechanics. I needed to know everything that I was doing to have success. So maybe I can help some other guys who may be more athletically gifted or maybe just they have a better approach. If I can help them out, I mean, they can get to places that I couldn't get to, you know, so and through that, through that pandemic, I kind of realized, hey, I really do like this sort of deep dive into hitting and understanding really what's going on. So you mentioned uh, when we were talking right beforehand that uh, I asked you what you were up to and you were like a lot. <laughs> Just yes. why don't you speak a little bit to uh, to what you're currently up to right now? Yeah, I am up to a lot uh, <laughs> and it's really fun. I, I love everything that I'm doing. So my main thing is like private instruction, like really I love getting in the trenches with the guys and really helping them out, uh, diving into swing mechanics, obviously, that for a hitting instructor, that's like the main thing, but also approach and ways to kind of work through the game mentally. You know, you don't want to go into a game and not have an approach or not know that, or at least tell yourself that you're better than the pitcher. Because if, you, if you're going up to the plate thinking, hey, this guy's got a really good fastball, really good curveball, I don't think that I'm going to touch him, then you're not. You know, so kind of that like mental aspect as well of the hitting. So I'm doing private instruction, working with guys. And I also just as a whole, I work out of the Connecticut Capitals facility in Hartford, Connecticut. So I kind of oversee a lot of the development for the players in that program. Um, So I do that with them. I work with players from all programs. Doesn't really matter to me. I just want to help guys get better. That's my biggest thing. And then. I also work with Tater out of Waterbury. Um, So we're kind of developing this hitting training program 
uh, with their weighted bats, which has been a huge success uh, so far with a lot of different organizations and some some colleges as well. So I'm going to be doing like consulting, kind of showing how to use the bats, showing like the reasoning why we would use these bats, kind of be out in front and kind of be the face of that. I got to meet those guys during the pandemic, actually, and we really hit it off right away. And then when my career was over, we kind of talked through a lot of things a lot more and they realized that I could provide a lot of value to them. And I mean, I love the product. I love everything that they're about. Uh, so just felt like a perfect fit. So we've got a lot of good stuff in the works coming forward. I'll give you credit. Um, I've talked to a lot of guys who played professionally and when their their career comes to an end and it's, it's not always your decision, right? You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's decided for you. They just kind of had a really negative feeling about baseball uh, and for you to be able to give back to the game, you know, so quickly after that happened, you know, it speaks to your um, generosity, I guess, in the sport. I wanted to ask, how did you arrive at the decision to say, because, I mean, you still look like you could play and you're, you know, 24 years old. Like, how did you arrive at the decision that it was going to be the final, you know, you'd never come back to playing professionally? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy. A lot of people ask me, are you going to play again? Uh, Like, I run my Instagram account and I post swings all the time and I have people like some very serious people like hey why aren't you playing anymore I mean I think about it a lot I do think about wanting to go back and play but my whole thing and this may be different for some guys but I wanted to be a big leaguer I really wanted to be a major league baseball player because I knew that the sacrifices that I would have to make to get to that point and grind through the minor leagues was a lot. And I felt as though if I was not going to be able to be someone that kids could look up to because I was a major league baseball player, I would rather spend my time trying to help them become better baseball players rather than just squound, like kind of, I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it. Just kind of wasting away, not doing something that I could potentially get to now if I went and played indie ball this past year and then maybe got picked up again and then grinded and grinded grinded maybe I could have been in the major leagues that I mean who knows maybe I could maybe after this call I or this podcast I go go for a tryout or something but I just don't think that that's going to happen because I feel like my purpose is much more geared towards helping others and kind of really diving into the parts of baseball that haven't been like completely like dove into yet. Have you thought about getting into college coaching? Uh, you know, it's, you know, I feel like a lot of now at the, at the college level, a lot of staffs are now made up of players that recently retired, younger guys who are maybe trying to evolutionize the, or revolutionize the game, um, you know, find shortcomings or oversights uh, and, uh, and kind of, uh, under uh, underappreciated uh, aspects of the game, I feel like is what a lot of college staffs are made up now. That type of individual, that type of person, is that something that you've explored or considered? Yeah, I mean, I've I've had some coaches reach out to me already about potentially taking a volunteer assistant job, and I mean, I would love to. I think that it's a very, I mean, it would be awesome to go back and kind of give back to guys who aren't much younger than me. You know, um, I got a little bit of a taste of coaching in college during the pandemic when I coached for the Connecticut Collegiate Baseball League. A lot of guys who didn't get to go to the Cape or any CBL. So I have that experience, and I really loved it. But I think for right now, being 24, 
I don't feel like I'm far enough removed from it to where guys would necessarily, you know, treat me like a coach instead of just another another guy on the team, you know. And I obviously I, I want to be that. I want to be someone that everyone can go to, not only just for, you know, hitting advice or how to approach a ground ball, but also just like, you know, mental coaching kind of you know, like mentoring if they need anything outside of baseball as well. I feel like I've been through a lot of different stuff. Obviously, I had a really good high school career, got to play right away in college, got hurt, got drafted, got traded, got released. Like, I've basically done almost everything that I could have imagined doing besides, you know, being a big leaguer. So I feel like through that knowledge, it would be very valuable to a team. But I think for right now, I'm just really happy with what I'm doing. And if the right, if the right kind of offer comes around and the right place the right fit comes around then yeah i would definitely consider it the base path podcast will be back after these messages are you serious about playing your sport in college do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level you should check out the university of nebraska high school UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to BaseballJournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, division one, two, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to baseballjournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media, inspiring, informative, insightful. I wanted to go back to something I heard earlier uh, that doesn't really seem to fit with your story. Uh, after you had decided uh, to, so you were you were a legendary hitter in, in Connecticut, the high school level. You went to Bryant, had a very productive career there, and then you decided to try pitching uh, mm-hmm. when you felt like your career was kind of hanging in the balance. What made you think you could do that at the professional level? Uh, well, when I was in high school, I w- was getting recruited as a two way from my I'd say like my sophomore junior year I mean I went to Bryant on the premise that I was going to do both at school so I'd always had it in my back pocket I always felt like I was a hundred percent naturally a better pitcher than I was a position player and I had people telling me like hey just stick to pitching don't worry about hitting because I couldn't really hit my my freshman sophomore year of high school I just kind of got away with being athletic but on the mound, it was just something that always came naturally to me. I always loved it. I always thought it was fun, but I really wanted to hit. So that's why I ended up, you know, kind of diving in so much when I was like the back end of my high school career. And then when I was in college, 
So I always knew that I had, I always knew I had a live arm. I could throw hard from shortstop, uh, third base, whatever it was. And I ended up, you know, I met with John DeRuin, who works over at Hops, and he's worked with a lot of my good friends like Chris Wright, Mason Fioli. So I thought, hey, it's going to be really hard for me to get back into affiliated professional baseball as a position player because there's a lot fewer teams. I just got released. It'd be the it'd be like third times a charm, maybe, right? Uh, so it was definitely kind of like, hey, let's let's see if this is going to work because I know I can throw hard. And I went to John, my first kind of assessment, and he was like, when was the last time that you pitched? I said, well, in a game, it was in 2016, and this was in 2021 at the time. And he was like, you've got some good stuff, man. My fastball my fastball is really good just after not throwing it for a long time. And he really was like, hey, if you want to be serious about this, like, get in here, like, let's start working hard, like, let's get after it, let's see – what you've got after a couple weeks, after a couple months, you know? Mm -hmm. And for me, I, I really wanted to do it because it was just a different look at baseball for me. Now, even if it didn't work out now, I have a really good baseline of if someone needs some pitching advice or just little mechanical stuff, I can help them out with that. Um, And John's just a great guy to work with. He's a great baseball mind. And I just figured, Hey, if it doesn't end up working out at the very least, I'm getting to bounce ideas off of him. Someone I respect, um, so I kind of just wanted to see how it would go. It was going really well for a long time, but then my elbow ended up not working very well. My UCL is, it's ambiguous. I don't know what's going on with it, but it's really bad. Uh, because throwing BP even kind of bothers me a little bit right now, which is fine. But at the same time, I knew at the very least when I, felt it and I gave it some rest went back out there again and it didn't feel right I was like okay I gave it another shot you know and that's kind of the problem that I had with getting released at first is for about a month I was like I'm not going back I'm not doing it I'm I do not want to go back to minor league baseball and then I I talked to my dad and he said do you really want this to be how it ends right do you really want to go out there and say that you didn't give it one last shot. And he was right. And even if it wasn't me getting back out onto the field another time or me getting with an independent ball team and then it not working, like just just knowing that I was going into that room, into that facility, like working out, like doing everything that I could to get back and then it just an injury just took it away. Like, I'm fine with it because I know that I put everything that I had and more into trying to play baseball. So so do you need to have surgery now? Yeah, I, <laughs> but I should. I should, but it's not to the point where I feel like I need to because I'm not throwing the ball hard anymore. I mean, I throw from second base when I play in Twilight League or first base, but it definitely isn't comfortable, so... I've had a lot of people say, dude, you should just get it checked out and <laughs> just get it just get it fixed. And I'm like, but then I'm going to be out for a certain amount of time not being able to throw BP. And I don't think like, that's one of my favorite things to do now. So I don't know <laughs> if I want to do that. So you uh, you probably had one of the best high school careers in New England high school baseball history. Uh, <laughs> when you look at your track record at the time, you were the only player to win Gatorade player of the year back to back times in Connecticut. You were a Louisville uh 
Silver Slugger your senior year. You were an All-American. You played in every known uh, commodity when it comes to events from yep. the area code games. Uh, and then you played, I know, for the Canes. Mm-hmm. You guys won a national championship. Just speak to your memories playing high school baseball uh, and just, you know, what you remember um, from those days. Yeah, I mean, when you put it like that, it really was uh, it was a fun time. I, I really <laughs> enjoyed it. Like I was saying earlier, my first two years of high school were not great. Like I did not... I knew I had a lot of talent. I knew that people thought that I had a lot of talent, but it wasn't really showing on the baseball field. Like maybe in summer ball where we didn't really keep statistics or anything like that. But when I would, when I was in high school, it just didn't, it wasn't really clicking yet. And then when it came time to, I was, I think I was in Jupiter, which the WWBA and I was with the Syracuse sports zone. Uh, I can't remember. It might've been like the Red Sox scout team or something like that. So I was down there. And I had a really, really good weekend down there. And I was facing guys who were throwing 90, guys who were throwing 87 to 88, not something that you typically see in Connecticut high school baseball, at least when I was going. So it was kind of a wake-up call. I was like, man, I actually am, like, performing really well right now. What am I going to, like, what am I going to do? So I was doing that, and I, I obviously played well down there, and then, my high school season, I had already been committed to Bryant and I kind of just went out there without a weight on my shoulders. I was just going out there and having fun and ended up playing really, really well. Beginning of the season, I actually was slumping for a long time and then I ended up hitting 432 or whatever it ended, whatever it was um, my junior year. And then I kind of was like, okay, I am, I'm here. Like I know that I can perform. Let's try to win it again next year. Let's try to win a state championship. And I thought that I was doing really well. Went and played with the Canes that summer, and I did really well. I was I was competing with guys like Nick Quintana, who was who went to Arizona and got drafted by the Red Sox. Like I was playing with Seth Beer. Like you, obviously, he's Seth Beer, but he was a guy who I didn't think at that time was like so head and shoulders above me that it was like I shouldn't be on the same field as him. Like, we were we were hanging out. We were bouncing ideas off each other and stuff. But with him, a lot of – I mean, we had a lot of guys who ended up playing high-level Division One baseball, professional baseball. Some guys are in the big leagues now. Like, that really prepared me well for getting into the minor leagues. Like, every single guy in there is the best player that's ever come out of so-and-so. You know what I mean? Whatever town it may be. And – it's just like you have to have a different level of focus. You have to have a different mindset. You're not just competing with the guys across the field. Like you're trying to compete with the guys that are in your dugout so that everyone gets better. Um, and that was a huge thing for me coming from someone who ended up being the, like I was the one of the best players in Connecticut with best players in new England, like going down there and playing with those guys. I wasn't the best player in the room anymore. I was I was batting eighth or ninth and DHing, <laughs> and I was still playing really well. Um, so it was definitely a different look. That was a crazy experience. I loved playing with the Canes. And then um, the thing that kind of changed my entire thought process was going to the area code games in 2015 because I had gone to the first underclass games the year before, and I did well. I had fun. But then I went down to the area code games when I was going into my senior year, I got my doors blown off. Like, it was bad. I did not – like, I had a good summer. Then I'm facing Riley Pint, who's throwing 100 <laughs> miles per hour, and 
I look like I've never picked up a baseball bat before. <laughs> and I'm facing, I'm, I'm across the field from Gavin Lux and Bo Bichette, and they just make me look like I've never picked up a baseball before. And it was really, it was really bad and embarrassing for me. I was like, I just won Gatorade Player of the Year, and I look like this? Like, <laughs> these guys are this much better than me? I'm like, oh, my God. And the main thing was hitting. Like, I just did not look like I was having the right comfort at, at, at the plate. I didn't look like I was putting good swings on the ball. And that was kind of where, okay, I am terrible right now, but I can't be terrible next year. So I really dove into hitting, really kind of got – I got after it, like a lot of research, a lot of watching videos at the time, like Josh Donaldson was huge. So I was reading stuff that he said, what Bobby Tewksbury said, like I was all in on just trying to become a better hitter. And then that led me into my senior year where I was like, I honestly can't believe that I got out, honestly, like with <laughs> how it felt. Like I was going three for four, two for three every single game. I, by the time that Gatorade Player of the Year nomination was announced, my high school coach was like, I can't even I – feel, I feel weird sending in these numbers. You're hitting 650 with six homers. Like I don't – and you're batting in the two hole and you have 29 RBI. Like this is not what happens in high school baseball. And that's the point where I was like, okay – I'm ready. Like whatever happens after this, I'm ready to go. Um, so that was like a, I, I mean, senior year was so much fun because I just kind of went out there and just dominated. And this is the first time I'd ever felt like I could go out onto the field and just dominate and not worry about a single thing. I wish I kind of just had that mentality more so going forward, even if I didn't actually know that I could dominate. It's just that mental focus that I had was just really locked in that year. So and then, yeah, everything in high school was, was really fun. I had so many good experiences, and I just I loved, I loved it for sure. So, It seems like everybody's goal up here in the Northeast, or not everybody. I mean, some guys stay local for college, but um, everybody's like, you know, I want to go down south and play. I want to play in the SEC. I want to play in the ACC. Um, and I have a lot of respect for Brian, obviously, Division One program. Mm-hmm. They won about a decade in a row, conference yep. championships. Uh, but did you ever consider revisiting that commitment or looking somewhere down south? Um, so people tend to ask me that a lot. Like, why'd you go to Bryant? And at the time, it wasn't some crazy, like, thought to pick Bryant over a different school. Like, in 2016, they won 47 games. Right. And Steve Owens is, I mean, you can quote me on this, the best coach I've ever had in my life. He is, like, I knew that going to Bryant meant that I got to play for Steve Owens. And if anyone ever gets the chance to play for him, it's something that you should take advantage of, of because he is just the best. He expects perfection. And when you don't reach it, like you won't, you're going to be as close to perfection as you can possibly be. And that was something that I knew in high school that I was going to get with playing for a guy like that. So at the time I, I really wanted to go play for him and I had some opportunities I had some opportunities when I was playing um, down south with the Canes, and like some coaches were inquiring about, like, "Hey, is this guy how strong is his commitment?" Blah blah blah. And it was never a thought for me to decommit. wasn't really a thing to decommit at the time either. Back mm-hmm. in 2015, you know, um, so I was ready and I loved it. Like I, I knew that I wanted to go to Bryant. I knew that I had the opportunity to play right away. I knew I had the opportunity to grow and blossom as a player and could take control of my development and really really just go out there and hit and play hard and I I loved 
I loved every second at Bryant. I would not change it for the world. I, w- I wish that I got to spend more time there. I wish I got to play my sophomore year. I wish I, like, who knows? I just loved everything about it, so. I'm curious, coming from East Catholic, Frank Manzacato last year getting mm-hmm. drafted, um, where he did, having the season he did, is it, I f- it seems to me that when kids get drafted in the Northeast or New England, everyone acts like it was their next-door neighbor that got drafted, mm-hmm. but I'm just kind of curious if it was cool for you as, you know, being an alum of the school and alum of the program to see something like that. Yeah, uh, Frankie's a great kid. Uh, he actually was bugging me a lot to throw live at-bats against me before his high school season, and I remember being in the facility and he was just obviously he's throwing his fastball his fastballs looking really good probably like 88 89 at the time and then out comes the curveball which is like this it's this mystifying like you you've never seen anything like it unless you were watching Clayton Kershaw you know it's just like out of this world and he threw me that curveball and I was like okay well he's at least going in the first round He's, a, he's the best lefty I've seen since Jay Groom, who I got to play with at Area Codes. He's the best left-handed pitcher I've seen since him coming out of high school. So let's see how he does. And then, obviously, the velo started to ramp up and ramp up, and he got up to 93 or 94 or whatever it was in the spring, and he threw a bunch of no-hitters. And I knew that there was no question that he was going to be a first-round pick, but my parents were at his, his house for the kind of the draft party and stuff. Because he he lives in Ellington, like pretty close by to where we lived in Stafford. So, and we were good fam- family friends and everything. So they went over, and my mom calls me during the draft, and I'm ready. I like settled in on the couch because we had finished a day game, and I was just waiting for the draft to go on. And my mom calls me like ten minutes into the draft. She says, "Keep an eye on the TV." What are you talking about? Kansas City Royals come up and they pick him. I was like, oh, my gosh, I thought that I was going to be here for a long time because that first <laughs> that first round lasts forever. As someone who went through, like, waiting for it to be over because I knew I wasn't going to be a first-round pick when I was coming out of college, but I was like, man, this is a long draft. <laughs> uh, but just to see him and see where he's at and see just how good he is and how much better he's going to get has just been amazing. Love the kid. He's a great, great kid. So just wishing the best for him, as always. So. Uh, my last question for you, um, you mentioned like back then you didn't decommit, you know, in 2015, it wasn't a thing. Like, I don't think it was a thing announcing it on Twitter. You know, now it's like everybody's in, making their uh, commitments public on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, there, The game has changed a lot. And even your travel ball experience, it seems like uh, that was probably very unique back then to be able to, you know, go to these WWBA events mm-hmm. and, you know, go to area code games and do all this traveling and now it seems like everybody does it, you know. How, how has the game changed uh, since you played uh, at this level, I mean, at the high school level? And um, do you think it's for the better? Um, it has changed a lot. I mean, I remember we had a videographer with us um, with the Canes when I was down there. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And it was just like a – it wasn't any sort of crazy rig or anything. It was just a camera. Uh, his name was John Whittle. He would record us, record the games, throw them up on YouTube – and that was that, right? But now you have, like, you've got, like, the Philly scout team or, like, the Padres scout team, and you have, or, like, Five Star National or whatever it is, and they've got these huge productions going on for these high school kids. And honestly, like, I think that it's really cool. I think that it's exciting for these kids that really get to go out there and, you know, show themselves off and have fun with it. I think there is a point where you have to realize that, just because you're doing all that doesn't guarantee that you're going to get anywhere with it, right? Because 
some of the flashiest guys could be the guys who don't end up making it. But some of the guys who are more reserved may be the guys who make it, you know. So it's kind of a give and take. I think that every single thing right now with high school baseball is kind of, it, it's like everyone has a megaphone. You get on, the, it's TikTok. Like I see kids doing these TikTok trends where they're, they hit a home run off of a kid and they post it and then they post up his perfect game profile before it. And it's just like, I, we would never do something like that. <laughs> like I could not imagine putting someone on blast like that. But then at the same time, I'm like, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Like it's kind of like these kids are really, really into it. And I think that's great because I, I love like the, let the kids play, like have fun, do whatever, because Hey, you can do it as much as you want. It doesn't, does not matter to me as long as when the lights are on it's the seventh inning the end of a game like if you come through then you can do whatever you want as long as you're respectful other than that like if you're not ready for that that important clutch hit at the end of the game then maybe we should reevaluate what we're worrying about but right. i thought the best video last year i think andrew jones's kid who's now at vanderbilt i don't think he signed yeah he was getting overrated chance from the opposing team in some high yep. school game, and then he hit a ball like 440 feet on the next pitch. It was like, well done. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That was uh, that was definitely pretty fun to watch. <laughs> well, Jimmy, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to come into the studio. I wish you the best in your next chapter of your baseball career. And, thank um, you. Thanks to uh, Jimmy Titus for joining us on the Base Path Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe to the Base Path Podcast on your preferred platform. Thanks to our producer, Steve Safran. The Base Path Podcast is a Siemens Media production.